Hello stackers and happy Monday. In this episode, we continue our fleshing out of the country of Trand, a remote peninsula in the northwest corner of the continent of Edelin. There are two episodes prior to this one in this Creation Corner series. In the first, I shared how to use existing Wikipedia articles as a source for creating your own countries, using ideas gleaned from the article on the country of Finland to help drive my own creation efforts. In the second episode, I began by looking at history and using that to begin to shape some of the events that have occurred in Tran's past. If you haven't listened to those, be sure to. There may be some helpful ideas there. Now today, I'm going to look at another part of the Finland article, geography. At first, this may seem like a completely irrelevant category to consider. Who cares about rocks and stuff when there's so much adventure, mystery, and excitement bumping around in your dungeon master mind? It's tempting to skip right past this section for the bigger things, but I'd like to build a case here. Consider the books you've read, TV shows you've watched, and games you've played. What is it that probably catches your attention first? Sure, fantasy content likes to put swords and fancy clothes and spell effects up front, but I'm willing to wager some platinum that it's the sweeping vistas that probably set the stage for your wonder more effectively and quickly. Consider the soaring overhead shots of New Zealand in Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy. To my mind, J.R.R. Tolkien had a real knack for setting scenes in print with his descriptions of the fantastic minds of Moria, and that's still my absolute favorite part of the entire series. And let me tell you, as a longtime fan of the Elder Scrolls video game series, my absolute wow moment came in Oblivion, which has some of the ugliest characters ever created. I remember playing one evening... And as my character came over a ridge, there, spread out below me in the last rays of a setting sun, was a gentle green slope down toward the lapping water of a small bay. And perched on the shore was a walled city, complete with towers and pennants, and here I was, almost able to feel the day's last warmth on my own skin. My character was standing next to a lone tree, and I, sitting at my desk, was literally awestruck by the sight. I think I stood there for a minute or two, just letting the experience sink in. It was really quite magical, and it all had to do with the landscape. If you're willing, please do me a favor. Use your favorite search engine and run a quick search for Finland Landscapes. If your results are anything like mine, you're going to get a screen full of gorgeous pictures. Wintry, snow-covered forests, idyllic forested islands and everything in between. My request of you, Dungeon Masters, take the time to set the stage for the land in your world, and you might be surprised what it does for your games, both in terms of player experience and in your own ability to visualize and prep for playing. If you can see it in your mind more clearly, you'll be better able to share your world in words. And isn't that what you want? To share your creation with others. If you're looking for richer gaming experiences, Working with geography can be one way to get there. As I mentioned in the first two episodes in the series, I chose Finland as the article that I'm following because it's roughly the size and shape of Trand, so I figured it would provide some pretty good matches. And so, with all of this said, let's take a look at the sections of the Finland article's geography section, and I'll try to inject some thoughts pertinent to Trand as we go. Geography First, the article spends some time on the country's position in the world, giving latitude and longitude. 
You don't need to get to this level of detail in your own planning unless you really want to. I will tell you candidly, I haven't even thought of doing this in Vardalon. But if you are a sucker for detail, go crazy. The article also notes that Helsinki, Finland's capital, is the second most northern world capital just behind Reykjavik in Iceland. It also gives some idea of the country's size by providing its length in miles. Again, fine detail that may or may not be relevant to you. Now for some fun details. Finland is home to numerous lakes, about 168,000 of them. What effects do you think this concentration of water on land might have on a country? Well, look at Minnesota in the U.S. It's another lake-rich area, and its significant mosquito population in the summer is due in large part to the presence of so much relatively still water. You could go another route with this. There could be plenty of food and fresh water to support scattered tribes of people as they live near the shores, but dry land might be at a premium in some places, and so people might be led to fight for elevated space to live and therefore be above seasonal flooding. Questions that might arise if you put such lake country into your world. Where does the water for these lakes come from? Heavy rain? Deep snows and the ensuing melts? Is water level dropping in your world and the lakes and ponds are the remnants of a much larger lake? Could there be a magical source? You can really have fun with an idea like this if you give it some thought. And already, just by talking about lakes, we're starting to uncover new possibilities in the country's history. That's why I think this is such a cool process. You can really get some ideas that you wouldn't have any other way. The article gives some time discussing glacier action and rising land in certain parts of the country. There are significant amounts of underlying granite. As I mentioned in previous episodes of this series, I am no geologist. But if I really want to get into building up the bones of Trand, I think I'd like to start with the stone underfoot. That could have some real bearing on the types of civilization the country could support. If the stone is weak or flawed, for instance, it could make for less reliance on fortified structures in favor of more mobile dwellings that let people set up and tear down quickly. Make the stone too hard, and it takes specialized tools to dig it out and shape it for use. Or it could just mean that people build with the stone as it is, which would perhaps lead to very large, cumbersome, and perhaps unstable buildings. Really, whatever direction this leads you, it could make for some very flavorful country building. For my part, when it comes to Trand, I've already noted previously that the country is basically divided in half. The southern part is more temperate and at a lower elevation, while the northern half is above a series of east-west cliffs. In this elevated area, temperatures drop significantly, snow falls earlier and lasts longer, and the daylight hours presumably mirror those of the Arctic Circle in our world, with longer daylight in summer and longer darkness in winter. As I picture Trand, I like to think that there's a lot of exposed granite, but also significant areas of limestone, particularly in the warmer regions to the south. Although limestone is perfectly acceptable as a building material, it's not as strong as granite, and so... Some might have taken to stone homes, but for much of the early history, Trand was home to large clans of roaming nomads who lived off of large herds of animals that grew fat on sweet grass. And this leads me to the next section. Biodiversity. Unless you're doing something remarkably different in your world creation, every country is going to have at least some sort of life in it, to include both plant and animal populations. 
This life probably tends to gravitate towards specific areas, and Finland has three eco-regions, moving from north to south. Taiga, otherwise known as snow forests or coniferous forests, where primary trees consist of pine, spruce, and larch. Mixed forests, where there are more temperate broadleaf trees like oak. And then, in the southern regions, mixed forest and grassland. This section leads me to imagine what sorts of forests Trand has. By starting with trees that we know in our world, it's easier to help players imagine scenes that could take place there, so I see much of the same. Scattered thick forests of hardy, cone-bearing trees in the colder extremes to the north. Mixed forests of oak, spruce, and pine in the central area. And then mostly sparse woods of birch and yew in the southern end, but mostly open grassland. And I see this grassland being not quite as unbroken and open as I've described in the plains of Kizaro where the party is now. Instead, I envision trans open areas as more broken. There are generous clumps of scrubby bushes that often bear edible berries or pits in the surface where rock has given way, so there are dark pools where rainwater collects. I also see areas, perhaps in the bowl-like area to the western part of the south, where it's bog country. Lots of squishy ground and thick strips of peat, with occasional villages and houses on rotting wood stilts to give the peat harvesters a dry place to sleep at night. There's a lot we can do with this sort of exercise. Because the more livable climate means warmer weather, cities are more common in the south. Many of the original thick forests have been cut for timber and fuel, although some have taken to replanting trees in an effort to revive the ancient forests that once grew so thickly here. Don't forget, because this is a fantasy world, we can also sprinkle in trees of our own design, so don't be afraid to make up your own varieties. I think that's pretty good for the flora, so now it's time to look at the fauna. The Finland article notes that there are lots of different species. 60 mammal, 250 bird, 70 fish, and 11 reptile and frog. That's a lot to work with. And you can certainly play with that in choosing what inhabits your country. Notable animals in Finland include the brown bear, gray wolf, wolverine, and elk. Now the Finns have named the bear as their national animal, so we could easily see it appear in coats of arms, people's names, places, named in legends, and so forth. And I think for Trand, I see the wolf as a great symbol for the country. Wolves are protective of the pack and devoted to the common good, but when it comes to outsiders, they're very fierce. And I see that as kind of symbolic of the nature of Trand people on the whole. So what I'll do is try and find ways to tie the wolf into the fabric of trend in life. Maybe they have certain sayings or whatever. I'll, I'll find ways to work the wolf into the life that I describe as, as the story shifts that way. Again, the beauty of fantasy worlds, particularly those of your own design, is that you can supply your own. Don't be afraid to make up animals, or very familiar ones in surprising ways like carnivorous rabbits or whatever. This can lure players into a false sense of security and really lets you have fun with the act of creation. Climate Weather and temperature are another area that's easy to overlook in country planning, and I'll say it's difficult to cast blame. Again, you don't have to spend a lot of time in this area to get something that really sets the mood or builds player expectation. Even a throwaway line can serve to put a bow on your fantasy country's climate, 
<laughs> I'm reminded of David Hyde Pierce's line in Sleepless in Seattle, spoken in shocked tones. It rains nine months out of the year in Seattle. Something like that could be so simple and yet set the stage for what the weather is like in your fantasy country. According to my rough visual assessment of a map accompanying the Finland article, about 97% of the country is considered to lie in a subarctic climate. This section shares details about average temperatures, how the region's temperatures are affected by surrounding bodies of water, and here we find that the inland lakes that I mentioned above actually have an effect on winter life. In a quote from the article, The Gulf Stream combines with the moderating effects of the Baltic Sea and numerous inland lakes to explain the unusually warm climate compared with other regions that share the same latitude. This is where additional research can really help enrich your world. And these sorts of tidbits, like the fact that a heavy lake area in a country can make it actually warmer, can really bring a place to life while also expanding your creative understanding of our world. So DMs, get into research. It's a lot of fun. And this game is just so cool for opening doors like that. One final point in this section. The climate section of the Finland article also shares that the climate is conducive to cereal farming. So in a climate like this, we might expect to see vast fields of grain, barley, oats, and other edible plants. This is exactly why I chose the Finland article, to help fill in these sorts of details for a comparable country. Super. So when the party makes its way to Trand, eventually, expect to run into some wheat fields and such in the southern regions, and expect those to be within a short distance of more permanently settled areas. At the same time, the old ways haven't completely died out, and nomadic tribes still wander the land, mainly in the later parts of the year, but they often return northward into the less inhabited areas of the upper escarpment as things begin to warm, so they don't run into trade caravans. There have been too many run-ins and accusations through the years, and it's just easier for the nomads to stay away and escape being labeled as troublemakers. See, we can have fun with something as simple as the weather. Regions. For me, this is the surprise winner of this week's Creation Corner. I had not considered breaking a country into so many different regions, at least not to the level we see in the Finland article. It includes a really cool map that displays the country's 19 divisions. Each one has a name in English, Finnish, and Swedish. Each one has a capital and a regional affiliation for administrative purposes. Feel free to go wild with this section and be super creative. Depending on how in-depth you want to get, you can really break a country down. You might want to revisit our Creation Corner episodes on cities uh, from almost a year ago, I think, when Thane and I used a storytelling technique to draw a town map that changed over time. By turning your history into a progressive story, especially one that's told collaboratively, you may find that your country's history takes some unexpected turns, and by allowing it to grow organically, it becomes easier to keep track of developments. Finland's regions are helpful in running the country since they make for discrete areas that allow leaders to undertake regional planning, enterprise development, and education planning. They're also useful in determining who can vote where and how different parts of the country are represented in government, which, by the way, we will focus on in the next episode in this ongoing Creation Corner series. Another area for personal fun is that each region has its own coat of arms. If you're interested in going this route, check out the various symbols for some inspiration. There are some really neat designs, and they seem to hew pretty well to vexillological guidelines. 
meaning they conform to established rules of flag design. There are some really pretty designs in these regions that Finland is divided into. Regions can also be determined by groupings of dialect, culture, or other similar factors. An entire campaign could consist of a single country with lots of room for significant difference in flavor and mood simply by moving from one region to another. Imagine how a city dweller in southern Trand might be amused by the superstitious traditions of the uplander villager whose wattle and daub hut is perched on a hillside overlooking a vast, misty forest full of fierce predators. Maybe part of local tradition calls for a daily offering of leftover meat placed ceremonially to appease the hunger of the unseen hunters. To the city dweller, it would seem silly and weak, but it could be of the utmost importance, even down to the word said as the offering is placed on a worn stone. It's your world. Bring it to life. As always, there's so much more we could discuss in this episode, and perhaps I can revisit later, but for now, I think I'll leave off. This process is so much fun, and it's always difficult for me to let go of the creative reins once I've picked them up. I would like to leave you with one quick activity that I've used on occasion to spur my creative juices in creating terrain and places. It can be helpful for visualizing an area and may give you things to consider that you wouldn't have thought of otherwise. I did share this with a group of fellow dungeon masters once, and it turned out that we had a lot of fun doing it. What you do is you take a piece of paper that you don't care about. It could be printer paper, line paper, graph paper, doesn't matter. Just take it and crumple it up into a ball. Once you've done that, pull it back open, but don't flatten it out all the way. Let it bunch up in places. If you look at it with your fertile DM imagination, you'll find that it seems to roughly resemble a 3D topographical map. Now, if you're looking at it and it still feels a little chunky to you, just feel free to ball it up again and pull it back out. Each time you do this, the detail gets a little finer, and you can basically keep going until the paper (laughs) begins to fall apart. Once you get this paper to a resolution that you're happy with, you can then take a pen or a pencil and sketch little roads and towns in the flatter areas, if there's any on your paper. Before you know it, you'll see that you have a little corner of your world in your hand, and you can use it to do whatever you like. I would like to ask you, if you give this a shot, share your creation with us on Twitter or Instagram. We'd love to see what you come up with. If possible, share a little bit of the history of the area. Who lives there? Why? What do people there do to live? There's so much you can do with this, and it all comes from working with the terrain, the geography, as a foundation. So that's it for this week, Stackers. I want to thank you for taking some time to listen to the next in our series on country creation, and I hope it's been helpful and inspiring for you. If you want to share your thoughts with us, be sure to hit us on Twitter and Instagram at Stackadice, or by email at stack.o.dice at gmail.com. We can't wait to hear from you. And we will see you next week for another actual play episode right here at Stackadice. Stackadice.